Four weeks ago, we began a series um, titled David. What a life of drama, David. And, and today, by God's grace, we will be rounding up the series by looking at David's legacy. What's David's legacy? Now, when we, when we talk about um, a legacy, what, what we mean is a legacy is that thing that you are remembered for from generation to generation. That's your, that's your legacy. Your, a legacy is that thing that you are remembered for from generation to generation. Some people, the only legacy they have is their tombstone. Praise the name of the Lord. And you see, think about it. When you are gone, not if, when, what will be remembered of you? When you go, will people say, ah, well, praise God. Dorcas, I think it was Dorcas, right? In the Bible. When she died, the Bible says that the whole church, practically a group of the gold widows, they, were, they did not allow Peter to rest. This woman must not die. Please kill these other ones. They didn't say that. This is just my imagination. <laughs> you know? And spare this woman. This woman must not go anywhere. In the church of God, if you are missing me, they don't say, ah, good riddance. The legacy, your legacy, is that which you are remembered for from generation to generation. And you see, the road to legacy, it, it starts with, um, there are three S, S's in the road to legacy. It starts with, um, Survival. The road to legacy usually starts with survival. That is, you know, people usually don't think of legacy. They just want to survive. Initially, initially, survival, which is um, 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 mango chop, mango work. You know, you know, just daily bread. Survival. And it's okay to start with survival because everybody usually starts with survival. But you see. As God helps you, you move from survival level. I'm praying that you will not die at the survival level. In Jesus' name. You become successful. So, there's a survival level. Then, there's a successful level. Survival level, you're just starting a business. You're struggling. Successful level... Your business is okay, as in it's successful in a way. In other words, I mean, you've done good for yourself. This, there's something that your son or your daughter can look at and say, oh, daddy, you know, or mommy, you know. Pretty much successful. And I'm praying, may you not die at the level of success in Jesus' name. May you go beyond. <laughs> so, you have... The survival level of existence. There was the survival level. Then we have the success level of existence. Then we have the significance level. So people are successful but not significant. 
You can be successful and insignificant. The significant level of living. That is, in, in people's life, you know, you are significant. Think about it. In how many people's lives are you significant? Think. Don't worry if you aren't yet, but know that you are going to get there in Jesus' name. Don't worry if you are in survival level yet, but know that you are not going to die there. You are going to be successful in Jesus' name, and you are going to be significant in Jesus' name. You need to keep the big picture in front of you. Survival is about what you can get. Survival is about what you can get. Success, on the other hand, is about what you have gotten. Significance is about what you have given. Survival is about what I can get. What I can get. Success is about what I have gotten. What I have gotten. Significance is about what I have given. What I have given. I'm giving my life to serve. What am I, what am I giving? What am I? What am I giving? Survival is about what you can get. Success is about what you have gotten. Significance is about what? What you have given. Survival is about staying alive. Staying alive. Survival of the fittest. Staying alive. There's some story that when the gazelle wakes up and the lion wakes up, the gazelle knows that it must run faster than the fastest lion. And the lion knows that if he, the gazelle knows if he doesn't run faster than the fastest lion, he's dead, right? And the lion knows that if he doesn't run faster than the slowest gazelle, He's dead. So everybody runs. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Survival level. That's, that's, that's the basic, most basic survival level. It's about staying alive. But success, the successful level is about celebrating life. While the significant level is about replicating life. Survival is about staying alive. Success is about celebrating life. Oh, I'm going to Paris tomorrow. Oh, I'm going to Joburg the following day. Oh, I'm just going on this, you know, cruise, you know, to the Bahamas. Oh. After that, eh? Uh-huh, so bloody what? Eh? Eh? Significance. Is about what? Replicating life. Replicating life. So, in essence, what I'm saying is that your, your legacy is determined by your significance. You, the legacy you leave determines your significance and vice versa. You know, your legacy is determined by your significance. How significant you are determines the, the, the extent of your legacy. 
And some people live and die with no legacy. I'm sure you know. I mean, we've talked about people that just have tombstones. Job has this to say in Job chapter 18. I didn't, I didn't read the book of Job until I got born again. And you may be wondering, why would you read the Bible if you were not born again? I was. I was reading the Bible. Before. I knew a lot of scripture before I got saved. A lot of scripture before I got saved. But, and, you know, because my mom and my grandmother taught us scripture. They taught us. Now, but there's this book that we never read in our house. My grandmother says, you never read the book of Job. Never. So when we get to the book of Job, we skip it. Why? Because in our minds, Mama said we should read the book of Job. It must be filled with doom. On my first time, I read it. I was so blessed. I was like, wow. How come I didn't read the book of Job? But there's a lot of doom there, you know. Job 18, verse 16 to 17. The word of God says that he talks about people that, that live with no significance, with no, with no legacy. It says, their roots will dry up and their branches will wither. All memory of their, of their existence will fade from the earth. No one will remember their names. Your roots will not dry up. Your branches will not wither. The memory of your existence will not fade away. And there will be remembrance of your name in the mighty name of Jesus. And that's the danger of living at, at, at the survival level and the successful level, the success level. Because if you live at the survival level and the success level alone, very soon nobody will remember you. Praise the Lord. And you see, you need to make up your mind. This one life that I have, it must be significant. And if you make up your mind, nobody can stop you. Praise the Lord. Nobody can stop you. Why, why did I say nobody can stop you? Because God, that's what God wants for you. That is God's plan for you. Of course, there's the enemy that wants your doom. But they will fail. In the mighty name of Jesus. Psalm 83. Psalm 83. Verses 3 and 4. Psalm 83, verses 3 and 4. Talks about them here. It says, they devise crafty schemes against your people. They conspire against the precious ones. Come, they say, let us wipe out God's people as a nation. We will destroy the very memory of their existence. There are people that are set out. Now, now, now those that are maybe watching from outside of the country, you may not understand this culture. In Africa, there are really people that want you dead. Really, really. And we are not making it up. <laughs> Praise the Lord. The Western world thinks that it's a figment of our imagination. It is not, though. Very real. But that's, they are not our focus. But we need to know they exist. We are not foolish to be unmindful of the devices of the enemy. But they will fail. In the mighty name of Jesus. So that is the people that 
have no legacy. Then it's the, the second category are the people that have what we call non-significant legacies. They live in non-significant legacies. And these are the people that are so consumed about building monuments. They are consumed about, about building structures and monuments. It's an insignificant legacy. Why? Because somebody can just wake up and bulldoze it off. That's happened time and time again. Time and time again. Saddam Hussein put up his monument. What happened to that st statue? What happened? You, you guys don't you see? They pulled it down. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Horrible stuff. Even people try to embalm their heroes as, as a legacy. You know, it's amazing what the um, ancient Egypt, you know, the, the Egyptians are the ones that started embalming their, their, their kings. And that technology was available, has been available for hundreds of years. But when Awolowo died, they tried to embalm Awolowo, right? After a few weeks, what happened? The smell. They quickly buried the guy. And it baffled me. You know why? I'm like, this technology has been available for hundreds of years. And we still don't, we still can't get it. So something is wrong. Hugo Chavez, you know that guy? The guy that just died in uh, Venezuela, right? When he died, what did they do? They tried to embalm him. They embalmed him. He lasted for a few weeks. <laughs> when he began to stink, they had to quickly bury him. And I'm like, but the Egyptians were doing these things hundreds and hundreds of years ago. What happened? Praise the Lord. Anyway, that's on their side. That's on the side. There are people that are building non-significant legacies. How can you say that this is the house you have built that is your legacy? How can you say that? That is so myopic. Your son and your daughter can sell that house in one second. You just sell it off. Wipe off your name if that's where you have put your name. Wipe it off. Have you not heard? Have you not seen our friends that their fathers left, I mean, estates when we when just left secondary school? Today, they are in penury. They sold everything. The foolish man thought he was living a legacy. That's not a legacy. Absalom. Everyone remember, you still remember Absalom? Who is Absalom? David's son. In 2 Samuel 18, 18, 2 Samuel 18, 18, the, the word of God says that during 2 Samuel 18, 18, during his lifetime, Absalom had built a monument to himself in the king's valley. For he said, I have no son to carry on my name. So he named the monument after himself. Absalom. 
and it is known as Absalom's monument till the day of the writing of this writing. I'm sure the Palestinians have pulled it down. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. Non-significant legacy. It felt erroneously like we think in different cultures that, oh, if I don't have a male child, then I don't have a legacy. Something is wrong with that thinking. Something is wrong with that thinking. Ask the daughters of Zelophilad, right? You know that story. Can't go into all that. In Christ, there is neither male nor female. It's difficult for us to grapple that, but that is the truth. Some say, oh, you know, oh, if I don't have a child, then I don't, ha- I don't have a legacy. No, 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 no. Everybody will have a child, though, in Jesus' name. But your children are not your legacy. That's a shock to some people. Your children will build their own legacies. Say amen. amen. Which will be greater than yours, in Jesus' name. Our parents don't want to say amen. <laughs> your children's legacies will be greater than your legacy, in Jesus' name. And which is the main source of control and manipulation that parents have because in our culture, because we feel that our children are legacies, so we want to control their lives. That's something is wrong with that. They are not your legacies. Their gifts, their heritage of the Lord. In what heritage there is gifts for temporal management. Praise the name of the Lord. Some people are they are, they are juggling their. Now, listen. The children themselves are not your legacies. Now, what they become can be a part of your legacy. What they become can be a part of your legacy. But they have their own legacies to build. Praise the name of the Lord. Enough said. So, we have people that have no legacies. We have people that are wasting their time with non-significant legacies. Then we have people like David that have significant legacies. Significant legacies. What is that thing? Even, even if you look at Solomon, the, the house that Solomon built, today that house is not standing. The temple that he built is in shambles today. Do you know that? God told David, don't worry yourself about that. Your son will build the temple. You, your legacy is going to be bigger than that. Praise the name of the Lord. So if you look at the life of David, what is that thing that David is remembered for from generation to generation? When you think about David, what is that thing that David is remembered for from generation to generation to generation? And I dare say 
for eternity. What's that thing? Anybody want to tell us two things? What is that thing? David. When we think of David, what is that thing that goes from generation to generation? What's the legacy of David? Is he the head of Goliath? Is, he, is it Absalom, his son? Wives and concubines? It's, yeah. Book of Psalms. The book of Psalms is one of them. Let's clap for her now. Abba. David left the book of Psalms and that book from generation to generation to generation. Many of us, God has said to you, I've taken you through this. Write a book. You are sleeping away. You are too lazy. I'm, I'm talking to myself. I've written a book, but I should have written more than one. So thank you. Praise the Lord. In David's legacies, two stand out. One is the book of Psalms that we are told. It's the book of Psalms. David wrote more than half of Psalms, of the book of Psalms, but David did not write all the book of Psalms. David compiled the book of Psalms. But David did something. David gave credit. David was the king. He could have altered history. He could have manipulated things. But David gave credit to everyone that contributed to the book of Psalms. Moses, the Psalm of Moses. Asaph, even Asaph was his boy. He was one of the psalmists in the tabernacle of David when he started set up. The sons of Korah, same things. They were like instrumentalists. David, the greatest men have a heart for other people's greatness in their book of Psalms. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Small men, you know what small men will do? Small men will try and erase the name of Sam, uh, Asaph and try and erase the name of uh, the sons of Korah, Moses, and will compile it, you know. No, 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 no. David gave credit. This is this one was composed by this person. This one was composed by this person. Something shocked me, you know. I, I, I really don't, I'm not, you know, it, it, it just shocks me. <laughs> I preach a sermon on Sunday. <laughs> and I get on Facebook, I'm, on Monday I'm just like tired at Okay, and I see someone lift a part of my message verbatim, word for word, and they quote it as their own. And I laugh. It doesn't bother me. Don't get me wrong. It doesn't bother me. But I laugh. I'm like, such a small mind. Because a small mind needs to steal other people's work. But a great mind creates his own work. Praise the name of the Lord. 
great mind have to make reference to, have to use other people's work. He's, he doesn't care saying, this is from this person. This is from that person. You know why? Because he's great in himself. David left us the book of Psalms. Hallelujah. The second thing that, that David left us is, is the perpetual kingship of Israel. Perpetual kingship of Israel. In fact, he, he, the, the, the kingship of Israel is, is known as the throne of David. The throne of David. Whoever is going to be king in Israel is occupying what? The throne of who? Of David. Wow. Praise the name of the Lord. Jeremiah 33. Jeremiah 33. Verse 17. Jeremiah 33. 17. The word of God says that, For this is what the Lord says. David will have a descendant sitting on the throne of Israel for long? Forever. Forever. Even Jesus is called who? The son of David. And the Bible says Jesus will sit on the throne of David, his father. Wow. <laughs> that is mind-blowing. Look one. Luke 132, the word of God says that he will be very great. Talking about Jesus. And he will be called the son of who? Of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his who? The KJV says of his father, David. Wow. Praise the Lord. So David left a perpetual throne. The legacy and David left the Psalms. Now, if you look at the Psalms again, you will see the legacy of other people. The legacy of the sons of Korah. The legacy of Asaph. The legacy of Moses and the other guys that wrote the Psalms. All connected with the legacy of who? David. In fact, the legacy of Jesus connected to the legacy of David. I said it before. None of us is as smart as all of us. There's nobody that can fulfill his destiny by himself. It's not possible. Praise the name of the Lord. And all of David's legacies were made possible because of one thing. Because of one thing. You know, I brother mentioned that earlier on. All of David's legacies were made possible because of one thing. Because of his relationship with God. Because of what? Is relationship with God. So you have to pay attention 
to your relationship with God. You must know God by yourself. You must know God how? By yourself. Your pastor can teach you and guide you, but you must know God for yourself. When David got in a, find himself at a crossroad, David always sought God. In fact, the Bible says, and David inquired of the Lord. I mean, amazing. And David what? Inquired of the Lord. And we are going to round up by teaching us the path as much as can be taught is more of an art than a science of how to inquire of the Lord. Are you ready? Your life is about to change. Totally. How to inquire of the Lord. 1 Samuel 23, 9-12. Now, follow me carefully. But David learned of Saul's plan and told Abiathar, the priest, to bring the effort. And David asked the Lord what he should do. And that's what says. He told Abiathar to bring the effort and David inquired of the, of the Lord. And David prayed and said, O Lord God of Israel, I have heard that Saul is planning to come and destroy Kayla because I am here. Inquiry. That was premise. Inquiry. Will the leaders of Kayla betray me to him? Will Saul, inquiry number two, will Saul actually come as I have heard? Oh Lord, God of Israel, please tell me. And the Lord said, he will come. Verse 12. And again, David asked, will the leaders of Kayla betray me and my men to Saul? And the Lord said, yes, they will betray you. Ah. Now, if you know this story, David and his men just rescued Kayla from the hands of the Philistines. They stuck out their neck for Kayla and the people of Kayla. So, it, it is easy for David to assume that loyalty will beget loyalty. Don't kill yourself. Don't assume because you have been loyal to people, they will be loyal to you. <laughs> Me, I can tell you story. Upon stories, upon stories, upon stories. Of course. The fact that you've been loyal to people does not mean they'll be loyal to you. Always inquire of who? Of the Lord. Of the Lord. <laughs> Amazing. Let's read second story <clears throat> before we go further. Second Samuel, chapter 5. 2 Samuel 5, 18 and 19. 2 Samuel 5, 18 and 19. It says, Then the Philistines arrived and spread out across the valley of Rephim. So David inquired of the Lord, Should I go out to fight the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? And the Lord replied to David, Yes, go ahead. 
I will certainly hand them over to you. David inquired of the Lord. Now, the first thing in inquiring from the Lord is this. Inquiry from the Lord is rooted in relationship with the Lord. We have people that don't have any relationship with the Lord whatsoever. They are not interested in building a life of intimacy with the Lord. They are not interested in living for Jesus and they get to a crossroad and they expect heaven to thunder. Praise the Lord. It doesn't work that way. Now, look at it. The priest was there. David did not ask for a prophet. David did not say, let's get me a prophet to inquire of the Lord for me. Priests, you do the priestly work and get the prophet to inquire of the Lord. What did David do? David says, give me the effort. The effort is like um, a jumper, like a waistcoat. There are no buttons, but, you know, like that. David said, you give me the effort. David wore the effort. Was David a priest? No. Was he a prophet? No. But David was operating as a priest and as a prophet. Who should operate as a priest? As a king? He was a king. He was operating as a priest and as a prophet. Who should operate as a king, priest, and prophet? Who? Believers. Believers. In the Old Testament, those offices were separated. There was the king, the office of the king, then the office of the priests, then the office of the prophet. They were separated. When Jesus came, it says that he has made us kings and what? Priests to our, our God. When Jesus came, he, he, he unified the office and made it accessible to every one of us. Not just the pastors. Not just the prophets. Not just the evangelists. Every one of us. Praise the name of the Lord. So David was, was behaving like a New Testament Christian. In the Old Testament. Give me the effort. And David inquired of the Lord. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. President of the Lord. It is rooted in relationship. David could do that because David had built a relationship with God. I say to you, or it is said, commonly said, and I'm saying to you today, dig the well before you began to feel thirst. In other words, dig the well before you are thirsty. Does that make sense? Build a relationship with Jesus before trouble comes. Build a relationship with Jesus before you have to decide who you want to get married to. Praise the Lord. And there are keys to relationship. I mean, we can go on over and over um, on them. Communication. Communication. Do you talk to the Holy Spirit on a day-to-day basis? Does it tell you, okay, keep quiet, and you can keep quiet. 
Does he? Can he tell you to sit down and you can sit down? Can he tell you to, to go out and just talk to that person about Jesus and you will obey? Can he tell you, oh, don't wear that dress? You know, it, 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 it is too revealing and you will obey. Can he, can, he, can, he, can he venture into those territories? Praise the Lord. Communication. And love. Love. Loving God, adoring God. Then, then respect. Respect. Respect for the things of God. Then loyalty. Loyalty to Jesus. God, James put it this way in James chapter 4 verse 4. He says, don't you know that friendship with God is enmity with God? With friendship with the world is enmity against God. He that will become friends with the world has become what? The enemy of God. So he's saying loyalty is key. If you are going to be loyal to the world, you are going to be disloyal to your God. So that's the first thing. Inquiring from the Lord is rooted in relationship. Number two. Motive. Inquiring from the Lord. Motive. Check your motive. Check your motive. Why am I asking what I am asking? Why am I asking it? What is my motive? In Numbers 22... I, 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 I'm encouraging you to read Numbers 22 when you get home. Numbers 22, there was a, a man called, a prophet, well, as it were, called Balaam. There was a king called Balak. And king said, oh, Balaam. Now, listen, Balaam was not a Jew. Balaam was a Gentile. But Balaam knew God. He was hearing from God. If I, when Balaam described himself, he says, I am Balaam. I am the one that sees the prophet without closing, sees the vision without closing my eyes. Since I can be talking to you like this and I've seen stuff. That's how he described himself. Balaam, the king of uh, the Balak said, the king of Moab, Balak, said, Balaam, I've heard that there's a people and they came from Egypt. They are consuming everything on their path. And I know that they cannot do this. There's a supernatural. Any king knows that there's a supernatural dimension to things. Anyway, go to that later. Come and curse them for me. Balaam says, uh-uh, no problem. Now, that night, God came to Balaam and, and said, who are these people with you? Who are these with you? And Balaam said, oh, they are from the king of um, blah, blah, blah. And they want me to curse. God said, you can't curse these people. They are blessed. Praise the name of the Lord. You can't curse them because they are blessed. So Balaam sent message back like a good prophet. Ah, God has blessed them all. I cannot curse them. Then Balak said, I am going to promote you. I will give you riches. I will make you honorable. You know? Then Balaam began to look for ways to untwist God to curse the people he has blessed. And God said to Balaam, go! Now, which is also the danger with people, some people, they say, oh, Pastor, God has said to me um, that I should jump. And many times, 
is because you have really twisted God. And you say, okay, you want to go? Go! But I will going to wait for you on the road. <laughs> God is just amazing. Now, God said, go! And he went. Now, can Balaam say, thus says the Lord, the God of heaven told me to go. Will he be lying? But his motive was wrong. And because his motive was wrong, God was going to kill him on the way. Balaam, the prophet, the one that sees the vision with his eyes open, his motive, his motive was what? Wrong. Inquiring from the Lord, he got to a point that because his motive was so wrong, Balaam's spiritual eyes was blind. His spiritual eyes was blind. There was a, an angel in front of him and he could not even see the angel. But guess what? An ordinary donkey could see the angel. So the donkey could see more vision than the prophet. What was the problem? There was a motive. Motive. If Balaam knew that promotion does not come from the east, nor from the west, that it is God that lifts one up, and put one on. How can man says I will promote you when you have access to the king of kings? How? How? My promotion is not in your hands, though. That was what Balaam should have said. Oga, be careful. My promotion is not in your hands. <laughs> if, I, if you are not careful, I'm going to demote you. No Balaam can demote the king. But you see, when you don't know who you are, and you allow greed, what I will get? So I can, me too, I can have blackberry. So that, me too, I can wear that dress. To corrupt your heart. Then it darkens your spirituality. Then the donkey begins to see sharper than the prophet. Praise the name of the Lord. A man came to me and said, you know, his colleague works, worships with us. And, you know, his colleague's colleague must have said, oh, must have said good things about me to him. I don't know what he said, what she said. But the guy came and said to me, oh, such and such a person, my colleague, has told me everything about you. She has given me a lot of your CDs. I've listened to a lot of your messages. I said, okay, fine. Say, how can I help you? He said, um, you know, I'm about to get married. Fictitious names now. There is um, Ronke and there is Chinyere. Was there a third one? I can't remember. But there were at least two. And he says, he went on to say how God has helped him. He has a good job, he has a good house, he has a new car. He won't now, now say, Pastor, the next thing is, I want to settle down. Have you heard that before? <laughs> how to settle down? I said, okay, fine. So, uh, it says, okay, Pastor, this is Ronke, this is Chinyere. I think there was a third one, I can't remember. Let's say Amina. And he says, I said, so what do you want me to do? And he said, um, choose one, which one should I marry? And you know what the Holy Spirit was ministering to my heart? To tell him, what if he's none of them? So I told him, I said, it's looking like he's none of them. What if he's none of them? Say, ah, pastor, let's it be one of them. Oh. 
Because I've invested in this trio. <laughs> so the guy is spreading his tentacles. He's, 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 he's casting multiple beds. You know, God does not work like that. What's your motive? The motive. Ask your neighbor, what's your motive? Oh, God, what's your motive? Inquiring from God. Number three is a posture of obedience. A posture of obedience. When you are asking God a question, you must have a posture of obedience. In other words, you must make up your mind to obey whatever he says. You must have a posture of obedience. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, read it when you get home also. God was calling Samuel. Samuel did not know the voice of God. Samuel ran to Eli. And Eli taught Samuel crucial thing in hearing from God. One of the most crucial things. The first two things are also very crucial. The third one is also absolutely crucial. Eli said to Samuel, say to him, what? Speak, Lord, for your servant heareth." That's a posture of obedience. He's saying, say to him, speak. I am willing to obey everything you have to say. When we get ourselves in relationship with God, we sort our motives out. The next thing we need to do is to get into a posture of obedience. Whatever he says to do, do. I remember, I mean, some years ago, about two years ago, I mean, before we started God's favorite house, and most of you know the story. I'd always wanted to do a PhD, so I was in the U.S. I was like, okay, fine, praise God. Let me just do a PhD and just face, you know, maybe ministry is not working. <laughs> I was, I've given up, you know. But I was inquiring of the Lord. And God said, go back and start a church. Now, the last thing I wanted to do was start a church. Why? We had, I don't think Lagos needs another church. I don't think Nigeria needs another church. But Lagos needs a different kind of church. <laughs> Hallelujah. Nigeria needs a different kind of church. And we can talk about that for another two hours. It was a struggle for me. Because where are you going to start from? <laughs> a lot of questions. And guess what? Faces were just popping up in my spirit. God was showing me people's faces. Okay, this person, what, do you ex what exactly do you want to happen to this person? This person, what exactly do you want to happen to this person? This person. So I was like seeing seas of people. I'm like, okay, anything you say, I will do. Now, for many people, for many people, they won't want to touch ministry again at all. But you see, God is wiser than you. Before you were born, he knew you. And guess what? The plan he has for you, there are better plans than you have for yourself. Praise the name of the Lord. 
So, the reason why a lot of people are afraid to really inquire of the Lord is because they are afraid of what they will hear. PTL, I mean, I'm going to talk about PTL shortly, you know, possessing the land. You know? Ask God, what do I sow? Some people can't ask God. What if God is assumed? <laughs> That's the problem. If God is asking you to do something, what do you think he has in mind for you? Just, just step back and look at it. What do you think he has in mind for you? So, a posture of obedience. Everybody say a posture of obedience. Then finally, in inquiring from the Lord, just go ahead and ask. Don't be afraid. Just ask. And you see, and this is the key. Don't miss this. This is the key in inquiring from the Lord. The easiest way to, is to ask simple questions. Ask a yes or no, a question that we have a yes or no answer, or a green light or a red light. David says, should I pursue or should I stay? Yes or no answer. David said, will they betray me or will they be loyal to me? Yes or no answer. David says, should I go after the Philistines or should I not go? Yes or no answer. Start, you see, people say, God, eh? you need to explain to me why in my own family I am the only one. Talk on. Pastor, I said we should inquire of the Lord. If he were to answer you, that one, <laughs> you may just carry it to heaven. It may be too deep for you to understand or to grapple with. Ask God what? Simple questions. Simple question. I've shared several, you know, in my work with God, when I meet someone, I shake the person's hand, I ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, who is this person? And he says, this person is this, this person is that. He always answers. I mean, I can only teach, I can only give you what I know, right? In my own case, he always answers. Sometimes he does it too. When he doesn't answer, just wait. The answer will come. Eventually it comes. Even though it doesn't answer immediately, but it always answers. Even though it doesn't answer, sometimes you already know the answer. Praise the Lord. Now, some people find that scary. Pastor, you are saying I should ask God a question. Yes. I should ask, close my eyes and ask God a question. Yes. But what if he answers me? Yes. That is why I say you should ask. Because I want him to answer you. Hallelujah. And when you start by the yes and no, yes and no, yes and no, yes and no, 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 stop, go, shut up, move on. You know, it can change your life. Even when you don't ask God, God can tell you things. David says, should I go to Judah? God said, go to Judah. David said, that was a yes or no, right? David said, where in Judah? God said, Hebron. Now, it could have been Jerusalem. It could have been, you know, it could have been several places. So, God can actually now take it further and now give you, but start with what? Yes or no. Let me tell you a story and I'll close with that story. I was on a flight, I can't remember, I think to Houston. And beside me was an old woman, white, old 
frail woman. Now, some of you have been this before. Frail, Caucasian, as my uh, custom is. I said to the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, who is this lady? Yeah, I just do it for fun. I didn't, not for anything, just for fun. I just want to know. So I'm going to sit beside this person for six hours. Maybe I should know the person, right? Good. So, who is this person? And the Holy Spirit said, she's a missionary. And I looked at her, ah, 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 bah. How can this one be a missionary? This one that cannot even help herself. Because she was asking me to help her with the seatbelt. So I helped her with the seatbelt. I say, Holy Spirit, you don't call me that. You know? You know what that means? That's speaking for a day. You know, that you have started again, Holy Spirit. I started pulling my legs. Can you say this is a missionary? So I reclined my seat and I slept. At some point, I woke up and for some reason, <laughs> we began to talk. This is years ago, about over 10 years ago. We began to talk and she was telling me how. She was a missionary, and she has been a missionary since she was 18. She has never married. She was in her 80s or 90s. She's now retiring, going back to Texas, because she couldn't function on the mission field anymore. And she was telling me the things that God has done through her. And I was, you can imagine how I was. I was afraid. Then the flight landed, and she said, young man, let me pray for you. Now, she had this Texan kind of loud commanding. I said, okay. People were taking their luggages and she began to pray. She wasn't praying quietly. She was, oh God, bless this young man. You know, I was embarrassed. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I was looking at her, I can't this woman see all these people. You know, people that know God really don't give a damn. If you want to pray over your food, I are still afraid. It's because you don't know God. People that know God, are, they are bold, they are strong. And she began to speak some things about me that my grandmother had said about me and all those things are coming past, to pass today. She says, oh, God is going to use you. Oh, God is going to use you to, to heal. God is going to use you to... And she, and she was... She, she, doesn't, she doesn't even know if I was saved because we didn't talk about salvation. Then I remembered all the things my grandmother used to say. All because... I decided to talk to the Holy Spirit and ask who is this person. But you see, it starts at the point of relationship. It's about our hearts as about our heads. I want to pray with you this morning. You're saying, Pastor, but I don't have a relationship with God. I used to have a relationship with God. But I've backslidden. I've gone. I've, I've, I've gone. But I, I need to come. I know what you are saying. I need to come back to this point of communion with God. Or you're saying, I desire to have even greater communion with God. Pastor, pray with me. I want to pray with you wherever you are. You don't need to come forward. I just need to know you are there. I want to pray with you wherever you are seated. That is me, Pastor. Pray with me. Relationship with God needs to be established this morning. When you talk to him, come into my heart. Come into my heart. I repent of my sins because it is sin that separates us from God. It is Jesus came to save to seek and to save the lost. Father, here I am today. Here I am today. Have mercy upon me. Talk to him. Talk to God. 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 Have mercy upon me, God. 
Have mercy, have mercy upon me. 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 Oh God, have mercy upon me. The rest of us, let's, let's talk to God about what we have heard. That our legacies will be significant. That we will not leave non significant legacies. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus for everyone that has called upon you and surrendered their lives to you, Lord. We ask that you have mercy upon them in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, because they've taken this step of faith towards you, your word says, draw nigh unto God, and he will draw nigh unto you. Because they've drawn nigh unto you, my Father, Lord, draw nigh to them and reveal yourself to them in the mighty name of Jesus. Change this life totally. And let your name be glorified. Honor and glory we give unto you, Father. Honor and glory we give unto you. In Jesus' mighty name we are prayed. Amen.